Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, we will begin at verse 11. It's a well-known story, a story of ten lepers. So Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his feet at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Congregation of Jesus Christ, a farmer went to the big city, a loyal, church-going Christian. He entered a restaurant. He sat down on a table near a group of young men. And when his meal was served, he quietly bowed his head and offered up a prayer. One of the young men thought he would have fun with the farmer, and he said in a loud voice, Hey, Pop! Hey, Pop! Does everyone do that where you come from? And the farmer said, well, most, but not all. Well, then, who are these enlightened ones? The farmer looked at him and replied, My pigs. As you should know, hopefully at least, pigs eat without saying thanks. So do lions and bears and cows and most people in our world. So I want to start off by asking if you are like a pig. Do you eat? Do you enjoy life without saying thanks? Now in this season of Thanksgiving, we see nine lepers who are like pigs. And we see one leper, someone totally unexpected, who gives thanks. Now, as I was thinking about the sermon, and I should mention to you that the sermon comes to you because of a cycling friend of mine, and he always asks me two questions. How's the preaching business? And the second question, what you preaching on? 
And then I always kind of rehearse the sermon with him that I think I'm going to do. He asks a bunch of questions, and because of those questions, I change my sermon. And then this past week, I heard my wife listening to a sermon on the same passage, and I had to change it again. Anyways, as I was thinking about this passage, three words came to my mind. Illness, healing, thanksgiving. The first word, illness, and the illness, of course, is leprosy. And in ancient times, leprosy was a host of different kinds of skin diseases. And the worst kind was very contagious and needed to be dealt with. Now, God had given the Israelites very, very specific instructions about how they were to deal with leprosy and other skin infections and how they were to deal with the leper. Listen to this. We might think it's rather amazing, but after having gone through COVID, perhaps not. Leviticus 13. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The leper, according to God's law, God's ordinances, was unclean and was to be treated accordingly. Those with leprosy were despised and loathed. So despised and loathed, they were not allowed to live in the community. They had to live outside of the village. They were not allowed to come within six feet of a healthy person, and if a wind was blowing, they had to keep 150 feet away. Lepers lived outside the community until they either got healed or died. And that was the only way back then that they had of quarantining the disease and keeping it from spreading. Now in line with this, notice what happened. Jesus met them not in the village, but as he came to the village. And notice, too, they stood right by him? No, at a distance. In the Bible, leprosy often is used as a picture of sin. And in four ways. First of all, like sin, leprosy is an inward disease. Yeah, you have sores and other signs of leprosy on the outside of your body, but the real cause lies deep within. The sores and the other problems, they were but symptoms of something going on, working, infecting the inside of your body. And likewise, we all know that, sin is exactly the same. The root of sin runs deep. It comes from where? Not the outside, but from a sinful heart. 
Secondly, leprosy was a loathsome disease. It turned a person numb. And quite often, those with leprosy didn't even know it when they hurt themselves, when they cut themselves, when they were bleeding. They didn't feel it. They didn't notice that at all. And the resulting aches and wounds, they wouldn't heal, and they would fester, and they would start to smell. And so lepers had this bad odor about them. Like leprosy, our sin is loathsome, is odious. It's a sick aroma in the eyes as well as in the nostrils of God. Third, as already indicated, leprosy was a separating disease. You had to live outside of the community either until you were healed or you died. And it not only separated you from family and friends, and imagine this, separated from your family, you could have, no longer live with them, could no longer associate with them, could no longer eat with them, but it also separated you from God. You were unclean in the eyes of God, ceremonially unclean, and you could not attend temple worship. And of course, the temple was where God manifested himself, manifested his glory, manifested his grace, but you were unclean and unfit for worship. And sin is the same thing. It puts us at enmity with God. And unless sin is dealt with, unless we repent and are cleansed, we too are unfit for worship. Fourthly, the leper was totally unable to heal him or herself. Nothing they could do back then. No ointment, no doctor, no exercise, no program, nothing that could deal with the depth of the disease. And what a picture of sin. As sinners, none of us can deal with our disease and the consequences of sin. Now, do you hear what I'm saying? In God's eyes, we are like lepers. All of us are sinners. Inward, loathsome, separated, incurable. Second word, healing. Those lepers, those ten lepers, they saw Jesus. They must have heard about him beforehand. They must have heard about his miracles. So they called out to him. Actually, they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus was their last hope. In fact, Jesus was their only hope. And Jesus, he heard their cries. He saw their disfigurement. He noticed their affliction. And because he had compassion on them, he said something totally unexpected. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now again, we need to realize how unusual this is because in the Old Testament, 
when a leper thought he or she was healed, they were to go to the priests. And the priests acted as a kind of health inspector. They would look them over and make sure that every trace of the disease was gone. But Jesus turns it inside out. He turns it upside down. He reverses the order. They knew they weren't healed. They were disfigured. They still had that loathsome disease. And he says, go. Show yourself to the priest. He sent them before they were healed. Now this command of Jesus must have challenged their faith and their trust in Jesus. Go to the priest as if you are healed. Even if you don't think you are, even though you know you aren't, go to the priest. Go and show yourself to the priest. And he tells them to go, though he had not touched them. He had not said anything in terms of you are now healed. He didn't say any magical formula. Go and show yourself to the priest. That must have pressed their faith to its limit. And amazingly, all ten went. As if they were cured. As if they had been healed from this loathsome disease. And as they went, says scripture, not before, but as they went, they were cleansed. And we see here the majesty and the glory and the power and the amazing grace of Jesus, don't we? He doesn't have to touch them. He doesn't have to lay healing hands on them. He doesn't have to pronounce words of blessing over them. And as they went, without any contact from him as far as they knew, they were healed. Jesus simply thinks it. And it happens. And he can do this, of course. He is the one that we look forward in the Gospel of Luke. And we know he conquers sin and death and hell and Hades. And by that same power, he's more than able to heal diseases. Do you know how and why those ten lepers were healed? By grace. And here's the rest of the phrase. And through faith. By grace. And try to imagine the scene. Ostracized. Outside of the community. Separated from God. A horrible smell. Aches and pains and sores. That was one moment. And the very next, they were cleansed. They were cured. 
They were healed by grace and through faith. The grace of Jesus, and they had to believe in the words of Jesus. Now, that word cleansed indicates that something more was happening, too, not just the disease. Usually, when Jesus healed something, healed someone, he also added to it, your sins are forgiven. And that word cleansed indicates that a spiritual healing took place here, too. Physical cleansing from that disease, spiritual cleansing from their sin. Cleansed. Haven't we also been cleansed? Aren't we reminded of that every time there is a baptism? Aren't we reminded of that when shortly we'll be taking the Lord's Supper? Don't you believe that Jesus came into this world to cleanse sinners? That he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, in order to cleanse us from our sins? That the Lord Jesus, he forgives our, disease, forgives our sins and heals our diseases. He cleanses us from what is inward and loathsome that separates that's incurable. He cleanses us. And we need faith. It's his grace that does it, but we need faith in Jesus and in the mighty power of Jesus that he who forgives also heals. Recognize, my brothers and sisters, that our cleansing is as great and as miraculous as the cleansing of those ten lepers. Now in this Thanksgiving weekend, we all recognize, I trust, that we have more than just cleansing that God has given to us. I'd like to mention the word hope for a moment and have you think about that. Because we have been cleansed by Jesus, we have hope. Hope for the future. Now I want to contrast that by what personally happened to myself and to my wife a number of weeks ago. I have a friend, a Jewish friend. She didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Really didn't believe much of anything. More a cultural Jew than anything else. But she would allow me to read the Psalms to her. And a couple of times I was rather bold in mentioning the Psalms are fulfilled in Christ. She would allow me to pray with her. But she died a couple weeks ago without confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And her husband, he wrote an obituary for her and about her. And at the very end, he wrote this. We want to thank the expert and loving care of hospice for helping Miriam, that's his wife's name, helping Miriam transition 
to wherever she's going. Did you hear that? Transition to wherever she's going. We don't know where she's at. We don't even know if there's life after she died. Isn't that sad? But we have hope. Not only will my soul be taken immediately after this life to Christ's head, but also my very flesh, raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. Our hope, perfect blessedness, such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined. A blessedness in which to praise God forever. What a blessing to know and have this confidence. And on this Thanksgiving weekend, we also want to remember physical blessings. Now those lepers, they were healed of a disease. And I think until now, I've always had a hard time to be able to say this, but I'm going to say this. In 2021, my wife was diagnosed with cancer, an incurable cancer told to expect death within five years. And she has had three surgeries and chemo treatments and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of prayer. And taking a cue from Hezekiah, we asked for 18 more years. Hezekiah asked for 15 on bed of bath, okay? And it's been almost two years now since her last surgery and treatment and every scan we've had, every two or three months we've had scans, has come back clean. No new cancer, no old cancer growing. What a blessing. We thank God for that every single day. And for food, clothing, shelter, jobs, family, our country, our family, modern conveniences, name your many blessings. Count them one by one, but there are too many to name, aren't they? Too many to count. Our third word, Thanksgiving. Ten lepers were healed and cleansed. But then what? Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He knew God had cured him. He knew Jesus was Lord and Master. That's why he thanked God. That's why he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He knew he was cleansed by the grace of God in and through Christ. Now the very last words of verse 16 tells us a small but very important detail about that man who turned back. He was a Samaritan. 
Who were the Samaritans? You know, when Israel got shipped to Babylon, the Samaritans were the Gentiles who moved into the area. They had sort of adopted the Jewish faith at times, but they were despised by the Jews. They were considered outside of the covenant people. They were looked down upon. He was a Samaritan. And when Luke tells us that, we can only assume what were the other nine? That they were Jews. How ironic. The nine. I hold up the right number of fingers. The nine you would expect to return and give thanks didn't. The one you would expect to just keep going. He did. Those with all the covenant privileges, all the covenant blessings. With Jerusalem, with the temple, with the promises. No thanks. The one who is despised and looked down upon. He returns. Now, have you ever wondered to yourself, have you ever asked yourself, well, why didn't they? What were the reasons? And I started thinking about that because I had read a, a little bit of a study on this Bible passage. I don't even know who that was anymore. And he started giving some reasons. Some of them were a little off the wall, but I thought, oh, I can do better than that. So those nine, why didn't they thank Jesus? Now, I'm guessing that you're going to come up with reasons I did not mention, but let me mention what I came up with. One of them was frightened. He didn't understand what had happened, and it frightened him. Jesus simply scared him. Number two, he was a Jew after all, wrapped up in works righteousness. This is way too easy. I have to do something. I have to do something hard. I have to pray and I have to fast. I have to memorize scripture. I have to spend years in pious living and prayer. And then I'll be healed. Number three, hmm, as he thought about it, Jesus took away my self-identity. I've been a leper as long as I know. I don't know how to deal with anything outside of being a leper. Number four, he simply forgot. So excited, so happy, so joyful, he forgot. Number five, his leprosy had hardened him. Never says thanks to anyone because he couldn't. 
Number six, I'm going to see my family, my friends. I'm on my way. Number seven, well, I don't know how this happened. I doubt if Jesus had anything to do with it at all. Number eight, the kingdom of God is here. The Messiah has come. I've got to tell everyone about this. I couldn't come up with a ninth reason. Now, doesn't that sound like those eight reasons I came up with? What too often is on our hearts are the hearts of so many in our world. Well, let's get back to what I indicated earlier, maybe not in so many words, but the nine, they represent the church. Remember I said they're part of the covenant community. So today I want you to see nine church members who failed to give thanks. They've been baptized. They take the Lord's Supper. They know the blessings. They know the promises. But they don't give thanks to the Lord of life. And the one Someone outside of the church, outside of the covenant community, maybe someone in prison, someone who is homeless. I don't know. And I want you to think about, is this us? Are we so used to all the covenant blessings to all of life's magnificent providential blessings that we neglect to give thanks. How sad that we become so accustomed to our lives the way they are, filled with God's grace that we don't think of giving thanks. And how do you think God feels about that? Does he like it when we forget to give thanks? He doesn't like it. Listen to what Jesus said. We're not ten cleansed? Where? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And I said it the way I did because I want you to recognize, I want you to hear his dismay, his hurt, his sadness. Now think of the times that you did something special for someone and they failed to give thanks to you. You didn't like that, did you? Now let's look at it the other way. Think about the time someone did something special for you and you failed to give thanks and you thought to yourself, well, I'm going to do it later. 
you don't. You know, as a pastor, I've stood by a deathbed more than once with family. And someone says to me, one of the family members, you know, I forgot to say thanks. Even worse would be the time when we stand before the throne of God. I forgot to give thanks. Jesus wants praise and thanksgiving from people who have been given all the riches and joys and treasures of salvation, plus so many other blessings as well. I'm not saying we're not saved. I'm never going to say that. But I am saying there's something wrong or lacking in your faith if you don't give thanks. And so Jesus, he commends that tenth leper, that Samaritan. Rise and go your faith, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Because they were healed, we can assume the other nine had faith too. But Jesus commends this man's faith. It stands out in his eyes. Because this man gives a public expression of thanks. Now back to this weekend. I trust you celebrated Thanksgiving Day. Lots of turkey, I assume. Oven cooked turkeys, grilled turkeys, deep pit turkeys, all sorts of ways to create turkey dinners. Potatoes and gravy and Cornish hens and sweet potatoes and vegetables and pumpkin pie with cream, though I never got that. Now, of all the people in our land, how many bowed their heads to thank Providence for the many blessings that we have? You think Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? My brothers and sisters, learn from the ten lepers. Learn that people saved by grace, given blessing after blessing, need to show thanks. Learn, in the same way as I started this message, that you are not pigs. Let us pray. Jesus, we just want to thank you. We thank you and thank you and praise you and rejoice in your many, many blessings. As the song puts it, help us to name our many blessings, to count them one by one, and to come before you with thanks in our hearts and by our lives. 
In Jesus' name we pray this, and all of God's people say,